one of the first like my influences or not even influences just people that i listen to my parents used to listen to a lot of motown artists because i'm from detroit so i would hear a lot of michael jackson the temptations isley brothers played around the house frankie lyman like i, I heard a, a lot of different music pointer sisters who else man like Smokey robinson yeah stevie wonder those type of dudes this is musicians can thrive a podcast community for anyone seeking to make money in the music industry musicians audio engineers managers producers booking agents everyone across all niches welcome my name is gabrielle i'm a singer songwriter these stories are for you i hope they'll help you find new ways to thrive as a musician tree of life is a producer soul hop rapper clothing designer illustrator and a community builder he wears a lot of hats and i'm probably missing a couple of them in my description but I have a world of admiration for him, and I'm blessed to have been introduced to him by a friend of mine, Kira Nova from The Kaleidoscopes. In this episode, we'll talk about how Tree's experience of making a record that he wasn't able to own the masters of led him to becoming a completely independent artist. We also talk about the positive difference practicing accountability and having a plan for your creative path makes. One of the hidden gems in this episode is when Tree starts talking about his sleep schedule and how he'll choose to eat different kinds of foods depending on what work he's doing. We all want to thrive as creators here, and often that means we need to develop self-discipline and to be able to hustle when it's go time. How we take care of ourselves and our bodies and our minds plays a big part in that, and it's all too easily forgotten. You got some good funk in your soul. Yeah. yeah, good soul music. Definitely good soul music. Like uh-huh. when I was young. Yeah, that's what my parents was on. That's so cool. My mom wasn't big on R&B when I was a kid, mostly because she didn't think it was appropriate for me to listen to. But I got really? a lot of Motown. Well, you know, like early 2000s R&B was pretty sex heavy. Oh, yeah. So... Yeah. She just did Motown, and honestly, I'm very glad that I got to hear all that Motown. <laughs> no, it was good. I mean, they still was talking about some of the same stuff. They just wasn't as graphic, and they, <laughs> there was more. It was more emotion behind it. It mm-hmm. was more like the person really mattered. Like it was the person that they was after, not the act. You know, I feel like nowadays, like when people make songs, it's about the act of having sex, and it mm. don't really matter about the person. But I feel like back in the day, they was like in love with a specific individual that made them feel a specific way. Where nowadays, it's not like a specific person. It's just like whoever. Man, I've never noticed that. But now that you point it out, I mean, it makes so much sense why some of those older songs really get you in a way that, I mean, I love a good slow and dirty with the bass bumping track, but it doesn't quite hit me emotionally in the same way. Right. No, and it won't because it's just a different frequency. Ah, I love music. I love all the intricacies of how this one little shift can make something so different. Oh, yeah. 
even even the way we switched from um uh, analog music to digital music was a big frequency change for us too because it, like if you think about it like when you hear certain sounds the way that you hear them it makes you feel a certain way like if you was to listen to like a record player and you listen to some uh, Stevie Wonder on a record player it's going to have a different effect on you than it would if you was to just play it digitally mm, maybe that's so, why like, I like him so much yeah it probably is because the, the frequencies was something that you align more it was more human it wasn't so robotic. So like it was more natural. So we, we tend to um, be healed by natural things way more than we are by things that aren't. Yeah, I could not like emphasize or amplify that enough. It makes <laughs> such a difference. No, for real. Man. So I know that you produce and write as a hip hop artist, because my friend Giselle, who goes by Kira Nova, she actually she presented you to our music business class a couple of years ago when uh-huh. we were doing an A and R project. But how did you get into making your own music? Like, where where was the moment where you're like, you know what? I think I want to try this out. I mean, I think it's always something I wanted to do, and in, in, in the back of my mind, I wanted to do it, but I just felt like. I should focus on one thing because that's kind of at that particular time, that's what was being marketed to people. Like, you know, just do you just do like you focus on being an artist and then let the producer focus on being a producer and then let your manager focus on being a manager and so on and so forth. And then like, you know, as times change, like you start seeing and and the industry change the way that people were being put on labels and stuff. People were getting signed to, uh, record labels back in the day and the record label was doing a lot of the work for them but nowadays the artist actually does a lot of the work for themselves. Mm. so just when you start looking at how things shifted I wanted more power in my court because you know music is can be used as a slave system I mean you just even look at the the wording of how they talk about your music like you own your masters or you don't own your masters you know master slave it correlates directly and you're a slave to whoever is whoever owns your masters. So if you make a great record and somebody owns your masters, they will continually get money off your record as it gets spent and, and played throughout time. And you won't get as much as they get because they own your master. So I think the point that actually, to answer your question, the point where I really realized that I want to do it myself was when I went through an issue with an album that I had made over the course of like three or four, actually almost five years. I was making my debut album uh, with, with a producer. And then we went to, we wanted to go to release it. And then like I started getting a little um, momentum. People was, uh, was liking my music. I was getting some attention from different uh, record labels and things of that nature. So I started making moves. Uh, as we were coming to the completion of it. And then he held all my stuff up because he wanted to have control over everything. And he wanted to own my masters all of a sudden. Mm. So everything that I worked on for that whole five-year period, it never got released. It completely halted my whole progress and made it seem like those five years was just wasted. You know, so I was just like, wow, I'll never put myself in that position again. I'm going to own all my own equipment. I'm going to record all my own stuff. And I'm going to make as much of the music as I possibly can myself. And I'm going to understand the whole process myself. Um, because if you don't, then you can be controlled by other people. And, that, and that's just not how I want to move. Yeah. Definitely worth 
finding a different path where you don't yeah. have to deal with people trying to manipulate you and steal from mm-hmm. you. Yep. And it's a power trip. You know, it's like if you got a studio and you record something in somebody else's studio, they technically own your, your recording because they were, you recorded it in their studio. Well, so shit. She, yeah. Once you realize that, it's like, all right, I don't, I don't want to do that no more. And then you think about it, like if you go somewhere and you record something, what, do, what does the producer typically do or the engineer typically do? They'll email you an MP3 of the layered version that you just laid down. So you you put all these layers on stuff, you know, you're doing ad-libs or whatever you're doing. If you're singing, you're doing your melodies and whatnot. And then at the end of all of the work that you do, you just get a compressed MP3 file, which is not even a WAV file. Now you need a WAV file to be able to upload to any like platforms. Like if you're gonna put your stuff on iTunes or Spotify or anything like that, you gotta have a, a high quality WAV file. So they're only giving you an MP3 to listen to. And then if you don't correspond with them or if you don't pay for it or something or whatever the case is, they got all your stuff. Mm, that's not right. It's not, but it's like, I mean, what can you do? Like once I understood it and I had to have it happen to me to understand it, then I was like, I never, and I already had my own equipment. So I was already recording the majority of my stuff. So I had, I have copies of everything that I did, but it's just a work of going right back through it and, and um basically remixing everything. Cause I didn't have the final mixes. Mm. So I would have had to go have back. the raw files. I mean, it's not, yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's pretty much raw files. I got all the stems. And I could put the stems together, but I don't have Pro Tools. And when I uh, recorded that stuff, I did have Pro Tools. I had a different computer. And then when I got a newer computer, my computer was too new for the Pro Tools that was out. So I had to wait until they up updated to uh, my computer could actually get that version. But Pro Tools also 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 is a subscription basis. So since it's a subscription, I didn't want to pay a subscription. So I just ended up getting Logic because I wanted to learn how to make beats too. So mm-hmm. I got Logic, and so everything that I would have did in Pro Tools, I would have had to re, uh, redo it in Logic. So it was basically like starting from scratch all over again after already working on stuff for like five years. You know what I'm saying? So it's like I already worked on this. I've not heard these songs so many times I feel like I already released them. Mm-hmm. And yet you didn't get any of the return or No, exposure. but he did. He did because he got paid, but I didn't get paid for for anything. I just put, I just invested, but I get, got nothing out of it. So that's why I think it's very important for artists to really have a hold on what they want to do with their career and actually have your own studio. If you were, if, if I'm an artist and I draw pictures, I'm going to have paper and I'm going to have pencils. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So same with an artist. If, you, if you're if you an artist and you want to take it serious, you think there's something you want to do it for the, for the rest of your life or for a big portion of your life, you should invest in some equipment. Learn how to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Who, who knows better your your mood than you? You're trying to find somebody and connect with that person to create the mood that you want, but they might not see your vision. It's a lot of things that I can see that other people can't see. I can appreciate how being able to really create something from you know the song that you write in your bedroom and then maybe you're still in your bedroom because that's where your studio is and you start <laughs> recording it and adding different layers and putting things together and I mean on the one hand that's really helpful but 
on the other hand, like personally, my several track mixing ability is limited. And so at some point you do need help. So then I guess it just, you got to be really careful about who you do choose to then bring into that process and help you finish the song. Yep, you do. And you should be very clear about how you're going to work together in the beginning before you guys start working, um, sign a contract. Uh, so every all parties both know legally this could be used in a court of law type thing. Because if everything is just word of mouth, then anybody is just your word against their word. And that's kind of what it was with the individual that I was working with because, you know, we thought, I thought we were friends. Mm. So I didn't expect this to happen at all. You know, I'm paying him all this money. I'm paying him for shows. Like we performing together, all this type of stuff. I'm going over his house for his birthday, going hiking with him, all types of stuff. So I'm thinking this is a friend of mine. So I'm not worried about anything like that happening until it happened. So then I was like, oh, damn, that's crazy. Yeah, that's tough. I think sometimes people get intimidated by the idea of a contract and they think, oh, I'm making this too official or something. But I've found that having really clear boundaries about what one person's responsible for or what person's, you know, accountable for providing, it takes the questions away. So then when you are working on something, whether it's with a friend or just, you know, someone that you trust that you want to work with as a professional, it's easier to relax into that work. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It's always good to have clear boundaries with anything, you know? So it's it's no different in business, especially in business and this business because of the nature of this business. You definitely want to be on top of your game business-wise. I think a lot of us want to get into it and want to get to the fun part, but the truth of the matter is music... It's only fun up to a certain extent. It's, it's a very small percentage of the process. You know Would what I mean? Would you be like, willing to elaborate? Well, I mean, like, so most people, depending on where you're at mentally, if you want to be the type of artist that, or you're the type of person that just wants to be seen, you want to be famous, you want people to like you, you want to be popular and stuff like that. If you want to be popular, then the times that are going to be fun to you is when you get to be popular, when you're in front of the camera. But all the other times you have to actually be doing real work in the studio, real work. You know what I mean? You got to mm-hmm. lay down a good verse. You got to memorize your verses. You got to have melodies. You got to either find a writer or write yourself. Uh, you got to have a producer or produce yourself. You got to have a manager or manage yourself. You have to book shows. You have to understand how your money comes from BMI, from whatever whatever you're using as far as your musical career is concerned. You need to understand all that information. So all the fun parts is just being on Instagram or if that's even fun to you, you yeah. know, getting on Instagram, uh, doing performances. And right now, since COVID is here, there's not a lot of performing going on unless it's on digital platforms and it's not the same. So, you know, it's just it's not a lot of fun going on unless you're just trying to really be seen, unless you have something to say. Like, I, I grew up on artists that I felt like Michael Jackson has something that he had to say. Oh, yeah. Like, we would, we would be so, I want to say lost, but we, it would be a void in, in society if we didn't have Michael Jackson, if we didn't have Stevie Wonder. You know, like, they contributed so much to culture. They created soundtracks for lives. We lived yeah. to their music. 
you know? So like it's certain people that have things to say that relate. And then there's people that don't have anything really to say. And they just want to be seen and heard. And they just want to say something that is going to get people's attention. It might not necessarily heal anybody. It's just something that they want to say to get attention for themselves. I think it's two different types of artists. There's multiple types of artists, but if we're going to generalize, there's the artist who actually has a reason to be here, and it's the one that just wants to be here. Yeah, I definitely resonate with that based on what I've witnessed and other people and just even with my own internal struggle, like the being seen and heard part, I wanted to be heard because I wanted people to hear what I had to say and hopefully it would help change something. But Uh when it came to working on really getting myself seen, it made me really uncomfortable in a lot of ways. And it's unnatural because most people ain't scrutinized like that all the time. So then when you get into a mode of being all in the mirror all the time, looking at yourself and judging yourself and being hard on yourself, which some of those things are good things within the correct amount of balance. But sometimes we just, we had a tendency to go overboard with it and um, let the pressure get to us because we have so many people commenting on your appearance and telling you what you should and what you shouldn't do in order to get people to like you. Mm-hmm. So it also it almost turns back into like a childish type thing. Like, like what does it matter? Like, but it, it matters because this is how you make money. <laughs> if people don't like you, you don't get paid. Yeah. <laughs> so it's a catch twenty two for sure. It definitely is the the most challenging part of figuring out how to create a place for myself in the music business. That's for sure. Yeah. It's so, tough, but I mean, like I said, but it could be fun because what you create, that's the fun part. So if you're really creating and you're really in charge of that, that's the amazing part. I don't yeah. understand how artists have like writers and stuff. Like, how is it even fun? <laughs> it's like a job? Like you just going like, like uh, for my actor, like I get to bring somebody else's vision to life, but I still get to make my version of that character. Yeah. So it's like, you, you're kind of doing that on the microphone as well, but it's like, the whole thing is what you're saying. So if it's not true, like what, how is that defining you? What does that make you? Yeah. And I think there's definitely something to be said for an audience member. Well, if I think of the few artists that I really, really love or the artists who, you know, they write a song and I hear it and I like it. I listen to it a lot, and then five, ten years later, maybe it's already ten years old, so it's twenty years later, you know, in the lifetime of a song, uh-huh. it's still just as good. Like yeah. Michael Jackson was so incredible at that. Yep. And I just really admire artists who are able to use their unique voice and their perspective on the world to write and create music that mm-hmm. it's just it lasts you know it's consistently good no matter how old it is yeah it's true so while we're on the topic of having something to say with music and you know how you position yourself how you promote one thing or another i've really enjoyed seeing your content on instagram And 
there's one video that you posted where you basically pointed out that it's really prevalent in our culture to promote sex and drugs and violence and to really exaggerate those things because it's what gets people to stop scrolling. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I know that your business brilliant stays driven is really trying to create an environment for the black community to embrace almost a higher level I'm saying it right of just kind of moving through the world. And so I'm wondering how, you know, how do you encourage other artists or even in your own music? How do you handle that? Because, you know, it's really tempting to just do something that sells well, but it's not necessarily a beneficial narrative to always talk about sex, drugs, and violence. Yeah, I just feel like I gotta do what resonate with me. Like I'm not, uh, I never be, I never became an artist to um, be popular or to be in everybody's faces. I could care less about being in everybody's face. I just want to create good music that people can live to and that I can live to, and that helps me um, now and helps me in the future. Mm-hmm. So I don't really think about anything but that. Like whenever I try to create something, it's always I look at it like medicine. Like, how can I heal? How can I help myself heal? Because I grew up with a lot of issues. My parents grew up with a lot of issues that they gave to me. And there was really no medicine for that. It was no conversation for that. So I just try to create music that creates uh, a place for those conversations. Yeah, that's important. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to do what's like important to you. Like if it's important for you to like make a whole bunch of money off of music, then I think you should, you know, I'm not going to judge anybody for what they do. You know what I mean? But I have multiple hustles. I, I do a lot of different things other than music. So I'm not like looking at it like, oh, I got to make, I got to get everybody's attention for this record. Like I just really got to put out a good contribution that makes me feel good. And then I'll get better at marketing as as time goes along, we all do. Whatever we do the most of, we get better at it. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I don't worry about that part. I just kind of, like, pay attention to what works and try to make it work for me and not, like, do it the other way around where I try to fit into somebody else's mold. Yeah. I really admire how you have those several hustles all working together because I feel like when it's – I mean, on the one hand, there's a time and a place for music about sex, drugs, or violence, or all three in mm-hmm. the same song. Yeah. But also, when you're an artist who wants to say something different, it's really tempting to do what we know sells because we need the money. But mm. because you are in a strong position, because you have, is it three different projects at least? I know you have fashion and you're at graphic designer, and the music. Mm -hmm. Are there other things I'm missing? I'm working on, I do have a study group. So I run a study group every week uh, where we learn the law. We teach the law to each other. So I I, I do that. I have the clothing line, do the music, I do produce, and I do film as well. So I've done like some commercials for some companies like Colonial Life Insurance and things of that nature. I I do that too. Wow. So you've got 
multiple sources of income that help you build a foundation with which you can put as much time into music as you see fit. Yeah, exactly. And it's kind of like, for me, it's like a tool to use to kind of fuel the other stuff. I've done some stuff where that, that have gotten picked up by TV shows. I guess the ABC show called The Rookie. And one of my songs got picked up for that. So like that kind of moved me in a direction of like, oh, I could produce some stuff for TV and film and put it on movies. And those are nice checks, too. Mm-hmm. So I'll have more stuff in the future that I want to be like gearing directly toward those type of opportunities. Man, that's awesome. Getting a song you wrote synced to a TV show, movie, or even a commercial is one of the highest paying opportunities for musicians. Some would say it's better than playing live shows because it's what they call mailbox money. On a regular basis, you'll get a check in the mail because the clip your song is a part of was on TV or streamed online. I haven't officially released any of the songs I've written yet, but getting my songs synced is one of my personal goals. When you're just starting out in music, Not many people know this is even an option. And when I learned about this a few years ago, I got really excited. Think about how many times you've been watching your favorite show, and there's a scene that you love. It hits you emotionally, in a good way, or maybe a sad way. And there's a song playing in the background of that scene. Usually, those songs stick with me. So then I go hunt down the song and explore the rest of that artist's music. It's not the typical way of finding new artists to listen to. But in a world that's becoming more and more digital first, having your songs as part of a show or movie that your ideal audience watches is an opportunity for your music to make an emotional connection with those people in a way that's similar to what happens at a live show. So, how how did all these things sort of fit together like when did you decide you wanted to start making music as an artist when did you or how did you get to the point where you started brilliant stays driven so for the music part when i moved out here i moved out here to go to fashion school fidm so when i moved to la that's what the goal was and then when i moved here i ended up going to a party um and three six mafia was at that party and i got the i got a chance to freestyle in a cypher with them some other and after the cypher they was like yo what you do and i was like oh, i design clothes i was like man you need to rap <laughs> i was like nah man i just do that for fun he was like bro you need to rap so three six mafia was the catalyst for you starting to rap kind of like for me like to actually get in the studio and record because i had never really recorded anything i just used to freestyle all the time because in detroit it was like the thing to do like that's what we did we always freestyle wherever we went. We would have battles all the time. Just like the eight mile shit you see on the eight mile movie <laughs> and all of that. It's really like it was really like that when I was growing up. It was like we was always freestyling and talking shit about each other through through music and through rhyme. For those of you who are unfamiliar with the phrase eight mile, it's a reference to a movie that featured Eminem in some of his early songs. The movie was a story about a young white rapper in Detroit in nineteen ninety-five. Eight Mile also refers to a road in Detroit that separates the inner city from more suburban areas. I'm not certain if this is still the case, but at that time, the Eight Mile Road split Detroit in half along racial lines. 
So part of the story in this movie is about Eminem's character crossing the segregation line and getting mentored by the rappers of the Detroit hip-hop scene. So that's what I was doing. And they were just like, yo, you really good at that? You didn't write none of that down? And I was like, no, I was just coming off the top of the head. He was like, wow, that's crazy. He was like, there's so many artists that say that they can do that, but they don't. They like reciting stuff that was written and stuff like that. And so that kind of opened me up to a lot of the illusions that go on behind the scenes with, with, with music and stuff. And then I just got around a lot of people that were actually doing it. And then eventually I was like, man, this is cool. I think I could do it too, just based off of the type of reception that I was getting from people that was actually in it and doing it. And that that's what started the music thing for me. And then when I moved here, I already had a clothing line called Definition with a friend of mine that had went to school out here as well. So after he ended up, he ended up moving, he couldn't take it in, in LA. It, was, it became too much for him. So he ended up moving back to Michigan. And then I started up another clothing line and eventually, essentially it was called Bruce Stevens Designs. And then I wanted to incorporate my homeboys in it because it was a lot of people that was coming and producing with me and working with me. And I didn't want them to feel like everything was about me. So I was like, let me find something else I could, I could. And I used the same acronym because I already made logos with BSD and people had already knew BSD. So I just think I just changed it to brilliant stage driven because I was like, all of us need to stay driven. We are brilliant dudes in our own right. And you know, we need to stay on this path. So this is just a reminder that what we need to do, and I don't want it to be about me, I want it to be about us. And and that's when I ended up coming up with Brilliant Stage Driven, and later on I ended up changing the actual company name to Brilliance Limited later on. But the whole theme of it is still Brilliant Stage Driven. I really love that. Thank you. You're welcome. I find what you're doing so inspiring partly because the clothing fashion skills that you have and the business that you can build out of that added with your music talents and your music income they give you a level of resilience that a lot of artists are really struggling with right now, especially because, you know, you can't really go play shows in the way that we're so used to. And right. then they kind of feed into each other because Kira Nova told me about this time where you had a fashion show for your clothing line mm-hmm. and you were able to like design your own graphics for the background and visual just aesthetic of the show and you Mm -hmm. also could play your own music for the show and so all these things just cross pollinate and cross promote and it just seems so helpful if you're trying to build momentum in a positive direction for sure no it's it's huge it's huge for marketing because you got to think the more somebody see anything the more they're going like, even if something sucked, like, you ever heard a song on the radio that you wasn't really fond of at first, and they kept playing it, so, 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 <laughs> start singing that joint, like, you'd be like, whatever, you just start singing it, you know, it's like, yeah. you're like, whatever, I just keep hearing it, I'm just gonna sing it, now it's stuck in your head, now the song is all right, now when it come on, you don't even get mad no more, you just sing it, then move on. <laughs> <laughs> so, it's like, with that being said, that's what the kind of um, attitude that I took with everything, because I think all the arts are related. And at least for me, it does. Like uh, I see, I see painting in the same light that I see writing words. Like it's just a different form 
of the of you getting the art. It's communication, nonetheless. I'm communicating yeah. with you when I make a piece of clothing, when I make a piece of art, um, when I make a video, when I make a song. All of these things are forms of communication. So I don't see them as any different from any of the other ones. I just think that together they can amplify each other. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. So I feel like there are a lot of people out there who are almost afraid to put time into things that are not directly related to music because they're like anxious about not getting quote successful enough fast enough as Mm -hmm. a musician or an artist. Right. But sometimes spreading things out actually helps you get stronger, faster. Yeah. And having a team, having a team of people to actually help and believe in your dream. Um, Hopefully, Anybody that's trying to get into the music industry, they look into like having a really good team around them. It's hard to do a lot of things yourself. I've been blessed to have a lot of different gifts that I can actually do myself. And I have a work ethic that's just different. You know, I, I'm always up to three or four o'clock. I was up last night to like three o'clock drawing up some art for somebody else's album cover. You know, so it's just like I, I just put myself wholeheartedly in everything that I do and I live it. It's not like I love everything that I do. Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. I wouldn't do it if I didn't love it because it's way too much. It's way too stressful <laughs> mm-hmm. to go through all of this and not have a love for it. You got to love what you're doing. You got to see a purpose in it. Yeah, for sure. That's actually one of the things that has really been helpful to me to learn as I've talked to all of these different artists and creators in music is that if you don't love every day, then what are you doing it for? Yeah, for real. We've made it about halfway through the show, and we're going to have a quick pause. Ads are irritating distractions, so they'll never be a part of the Musicians Can Thrive podcast. Thank you for listening. So make sure you get new episodes as soon as I release them, Subscribe wherever you like to listen to podcasts. I'm so glad I get the honor of sharing these musicians' stories, and it would mean a lot if you would be willing to help me share them. Spotify has this awesome feature where you can share podcast episodes directly to Instagram stories. So if you're willing, tell your followers about your favorite episode. Last thing. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, leaving a quick review helps other musicians learn about Musicians Can Thrive. I appreciate your support. Back to the show. While we're on the subject of being resilient financially and finding different ways to use different kinds of art to help that, you've also put some wonderful content out about Black economics and finding ways to bring more money, more resilience into the Black community. And I was wondering if you'd be willing to share some of your perspective about that, just for people to learn from here. Uh, well, just and keeping like, if you look back in history to um, a time where they called this one particular area in Tulsa, Black Wall Street. And they had a community there that was built up so, so well, and they were doing so well for themselves that it caused jealousy. 
and jealousy from out from white white people that lived in that area that was surrounding that particular town they they attacked that town and they killed all those people because of how well that they were doing and then and then you see today anytime people of color or uh aboriginal people try to do any anything together people have a problem with it regardless of what it is it's like whatever you do is like somebody is mad about it and my whole thing is it's a lot of different communities that have put together their communities very very nicely to where they keep money circulating within their community which only makes sense why would you not i think our community uh the black community or the aboriginal community or whatever you want to term ourselves has been one that has spent a lot more money on other people's communities than their own mm. we buy everybody else's products but we don't buy from each other so and, and a, re- a lot of reason for that is because a lot of people didn't have businesses it took us a while to get on our feet to get that knowledge and to be able to be in those positions so now that we are in those positions it's time that you know, we we do the same thing. We build up our communities. We spend money with each other. We spend over a billion some dollars on a bunch of other companies who don't even care about us or won't even come to our defense if something happens to us. Yeah. So, like, what's the point? Like, when you can, if you can just keep it within the family, keep it within the family. That's what they do in Hollywood. It's what you call it nepotism. You know, they hire people that's in their family and stuff like that. So it's not to say that we I'm, I'm advocating to not buy anything that is not black owned or something like that. But just like buy yours first, support yours first, because who's going to support you? It only yeah. makes sense. Like, you know, I, I live in L.A. where they have like this is places that the Jews have that nobody can come into. It's just you, you can only be Jewish if you go to these particular places you can't come in if you're another race but nobody looks at that and says it's racist or or it's wrong or anything like just let them do what they do like oh that's what they do to orthodox jews you can't go in that building because you're not jewish mm-hmm. but nobody says anything about it you know what i mean so i think like i'm just trying to encourage people to look to wake up and like see what other people are doing around you and don't feel like you can't do the same thing if you feel like the world is against you then all you can depend on is your family members yeah. So I ask because what you are advocating really resonates with me. I grew up in a small town, the daughter of an entrepreneur, and you know, most of my childhood memories are of my dad working his ass off and trying to keep his employees hired. And one of the things he taught me is that spending money on a small local business directly impacts that local community and the people who live in it. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things I've really admired about the artists in Austin who are part of the hip hop R&B communities is the way that they have made an effort to work together, whether it's for, you know, someone needs a logo for their merch or someone needs artwork for their new single or video, or maybe they need help promoting a show just finding ways to use the power of your dollars and invest in things that are important to you. I really, mm-hmm. I really recognize the power in that. And I'd love to see more of it. Yeah. It's a lot of power in that. And it's, we've been taught division for a long time. Like you get, you, you've seen it, you've heard it in the records, you've seen it in the movies and whatever, like I said, whatever is repeated, it becomes like the norm. 
whatever people see the most of is what they think is normal. So it's normal for us to see naked women all over Instagram and violent videos and stuff like that. So we get desensitized to it and there's nothing no more. It don't affect us the way that it would if it was shocking. It would be shocking if we hadn't seen a lot of it. Mm -hmm. Once you've seen something so many times, it becomes less shocking. Yeah. So it's, it's the same principle. And I think that since we've seen that for so long, it takes a lot for us to change up that narrative, see different things, show different things, and then move in, in the light in the light that we want to move into. Yeah, for real. Just normalize it one step at a time. Yeah. Make that normal because they've already made certain things normal for us. And that was because they wanted it to, they wanted us to believe that way. They like, the government knows what they're doing psychologically. Mm-hmm. Hollywood knows what they're doing psychologically. Like, if I know yeah. what I'm doing with music psychologically, and I've only been doing music for 10, 10 years and uh, 10 plus years, then I'm sure Hollywood knows. I'm sure the music industry knows. They've been doing this forever. They know what type of effect it has on people. That's why they're in, in the business of it. Oh, yeah. Absolutely agree with you there. One of the things that is interesting to me when I'm thinking about ways that musicians can build an audience is how we make the decision of distributing our music and how much effort we put into that. And I know that you've had several milestones of reaching, quote, success as a creator and as a person creating a business for yourself in the world. And so how do you prioritize, you know, building up streams of your music or booking shows in a pre post COVID world? What, I guess, how do you break those things down in your list of priorities? I think about it like, all right, do I have something to release? Like, because everything should be about, it's it's a business, it's the music business. So when I think about it like that, I'm like, all right, what am I trying to do? What am I, what do I want to say? What am I trying to release to the world? And why do I think they should have this? That's what I think of first. After that, I, I make whatever song or I finish the music that I need to finish. And, and then once that music is ready, then I'm ready to perform it. Mm-hmm. I like to do a couple of shows before I release a record just to know how a crowd is feeling the, the song. Because yeah. that, that gives me an idea if they really like the record or they ain't really reacting to it the way that I, I thought they would. And I can change it or I can do something else. You know what I mean? So after that process is over, after I figure out, all right, they, they feeling this record, then I get ready to try to release it. And then I get artwork done, shoot a video, and then go from there as far as releasing it, having a date and stuff like that. Yeah. I can definitely see the benefit of playing shows so you can test out material before you record it and release it. Mm-hmm. It's a good method. I think even like comedians do it a lot. Like David Chappelle, he'll he'll do like stuff for his special at like a small club somewhere. And then if it goes over well, you know, or he'll fix things for it and then he'll do a special. (laughs) A lot of people do do that. But like as far as, oh, prioritizing with other things that I'm doing, it usually kind of correlates with whatever I'm doing. I try to stay on the same wavelength. 
with everything and uh, push things out in a manner that makes sense. So it'll be clothes that have a reflection of whatever was in that music too. So that mm-hmm. I could also get that 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 uh, music to sell those clothes or the music or the clothing to sell the music. So because you do already have your own fashion line, do you really think specifically about creating merch for yourself or do you just create music and fashion that's complementary just consistently? Just complimentary. Like I, I've recently thought about that because I just started a Patreon for my YouTube page. So with that, I started creating some content specifically for Tree of Life as an entity and not just a whole of everything that I do. You know what I mean? I kind of mm-hmm. started concentrating on certain stuff for that so I can give people certain things when they are they become patrons and stuff like that. So I wasn't doing that before, but I am now. <laughs> That's really cool. What prompted you to start a Patreon? Um, I just thought it was a good idea. I've seen a lot of other people really getting success out of doing that and being mm-hmm. able to give their fans and followers a lot more. And it's like if somebody really supports you and they and they like what you do, like if you're providing a service for them, then why wouldn't they pay you $5 a month? Like most people spend $5 a month way worse. You know what I mean? Like you got a Netflix bill, you got your phone bill, you got cigarettes if you're a smoker you got alcohol if you're a drinker you got weed if you're a smoker and whatever other extracurricular activities you may do but anything that i really feel like is a value to me i'm a fan of it i'm gonna pay for it like it's people that um do art that i like learn from online um on youtube and stuff like that and they got patreons and if they're like oh i'll offer a tutorial for the five dollar a month price or the ten dollar a month price i'm with it because it's teaching me something it's giving me something back so I feel like as long as you can give people something, then and you provide them a service and they're they're getting something in exchange, then I think that's a good platform to kind of help garner uh, your community and, and the people that f- support you. Hell yeah! Honestly, Patreon's become one of my favorite things to encourage artists that I'm friends with or that I meet to consider adding to their list of things because. You know, we can bitch all we want about the royalty rates on streaming, but at the end of the day, the software companies have their own priorities. And if you're right. trying to build an audience, at some point, you need to earn the trust of the listener before they're going to be willing to spend money on you, which is part of why streaming became popular in the first place. We wanted to mm-hmm. test out that album or that single. And so, Patreon is a low-tier, easy way for people to support you financially mm-hmm. without having to go through the whole streaming buy album yeah. decision. Because like, like, everything has changed so much, and now it's giving you power to actually make money direct directly with the consumer. So I feel like that's perfect. Like That's great. I can give them stuff. We can communicate. I can give them special things that I don't share with everybody. Like That's perfect. I love it. Yeah. And I mean, if we go into the business context of it, they're your customer. If you are if you have a dedicated place where you can build a stronger one-to-one feeling relationship with them, right. that benefits you enormously. Yep. Well, really- I'm going to have to check out your Patreon. 
for sure for sure i'm still getting like everything lined up for it like i think we just started we're gonna start putting some artwork on there uh within mm -hmm. the next week or so for people that like the artwork and stuff um and then we're gonna have like some videos that i never released and i'm gonna start putting up there and, and things of that nature so it'll get more comprehensive soon i just started it up not too long ago and started actually paying attention to it because like managing the clothing line managing the music <laughs> producing like it's just so many titles so many different things to do by the end of the day you're like <laughs> You spent. <laughs> yeah, when do you sleep? <laughs> every once in a while, I get I get a couple hours every night, and then I take naps sometimes. Like if I'm like tired in the day, I might go to sleep for an hour or two and wake back up and get back to it. Damn, you're like some sort of superhuman. <laughs> Honestly, how do you juggle all these things? I don't know. It's not easy. It's definitely not easy, but. I think when you got like a purpose for whatever you're trying to do and you see the light at the end of the tunnel, I think that's what keeps me moving. And then th things just keep happening in the world. Like this whole coronavirus thing, it really just took my game a whole nother place. And better place or worse? A better place. Different. I had to focus more. I had to focus a lot more. And because the opportunities I was there before are not there now. Like artists could be lazy if they got a job you know what i mean like if you're not a full-time artist you don't know what being an artist is yeah until you have to live off of your art there's definitely a very different level of accountability oh yeah if you know that you already got a check coming in at the end of the week and you don't have to make a song or you don't have to you know what i mean like mm -hmm. it's completely different but if you have to do it it, it makes you a different animal. And I, I've always been a hard worker, so it's nothing new to me. I think I'm just different when it comes to that. I was homeless for a minute out here in LA and I never wanted to be homeless again. So I was just like, yo, I'll never be in this position again. So I always just work super hard. Yeah, that'll put some serious motivation into you. Damn. <laughs> so for artists who are trying to figure out how they can get to that place of being full-time accountable to the music and whatever income streams they have related to that, what would you encourage them to explore? In particular, like as far as specifically, what, what, what would I have them explore? Well, just maybe different ways of doing things or sources of income to look to develop. Doesn't really matter. Just what are some things that worked for you when you were trying to build this? having a plan, writing out a real plan, and then not being afraid to switch that plan up if it's not working. Mm. Like you have to like keep account of, like you have to account for stuff. Accountability is like being able to see things too. So if you don't write nothing down, if nothing's like finalized nowhere on a piece of paper and you're not following it, you're not looking at it every day, then you're not really doing it. Mm -hmm. So I think the, the main thing that I would tell any artist is to, to get out there and First, make a plan, figure out what you're trying to do, where you want to get to, where you want to go. So you have an idea where you want to go and then you can build everything around those ideals. Like, all right, since I want to do this now, I know I need to make this move next. Since I want to do that, I want to make this move next because this makes sense for this to happen. So I think it's just really like trying to make it a more common sense process and not like um, not like make it more difficult than what it actually is. Mm. Yeah, that's a big one. 
Thank you for sharing that. No doubt. You've got the Patreon that you're working on. You have a study group where you're studying the law with other members of your community and Mm. raising your awareness, releasing content, designing clothes, anything big coming up for music or any of those other things that you'd like people to know about? I have a record that I've been working on. I just need to put a baseline on it um, called IDK. Uh, and if my shit fire, let it be known. Put on for a king like you do for the throne. Yeah. Hey, come from your loved ones. I wish I was wrong. Uh-huh. Envy can turn your best friend to enemy's own. Yeah. Jealous of my abilities and industry hoes. Uh-huh. Man, you killing me. Your energy can injure me. Peace and be gone. Lower entity can't speak on the phone. Love interests me. Me, I really see it no more. Life is a trip. Many days it feel like a chore. Stuck in a loop. Wondering like, what is this for? I know I ain't here for the money. My value is more than material. All the silly shit we adore need a miracle. Only thing we know is perform in this physical spiritually was born in the storm of the spiritual i war with the rituals a babylon is funny how our timing is critical i don't know if god coming back no more no more no more um but that's coming up and then i will be having a new episode of soul hop sundays where it's a show that i do on youtube where i basically show the whole process of what i do and music wise so like me in the studio um making beats recording them performing them uh, all of that stuff and it's kind of like a little documentary style show where it's like a behind the music while i'm making the music type thing mm-hmm. i love so that I would, yeah so that uh, it'll be another episode of that um coming soon and idk is coming soon and i got a couple other singles that i'm not gonna name right now but they i got some other things that i'm working on that will be dropping because i think i'm just gonna start dropping a bunch of different singles and so I have the momentum that I want to drop an actual project. Where are the best places for people to get connected with you or find your content online? Um, they can contact me on Instagram at Tree of Life, and, and that's spelled with a Y instead of an I. Tree, T R E E O F L Y F E. Also, I have a website for the clothes. Uh, it's Brilliance Limited, and that's brilliancelmtd.com. So they can also check me out there or check out the clothing line there. You can see the merchandise, things of that nature. And then pretty much I think the primary thing would probably be Instagram though. So I got a Tree of Life page and I have a Brilliance Limited page too. So it's the same as the website, just Brilliance, how Brilliance is spelled, LMTD. Awesome. And then Soul Hop Sundays on the YouTube channel. Yep. Yep. Don't want to forget that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> It's a pretty big deal. <laughs> so many things we forgetting, forgetting stuff sometimes. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I I really envy your ability to juggle like at least four different things and not get a lot of sleep and still function and be, you know, skilled at what you're doing. So, big kudos to you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, it's my pleasure. If I if I could like biohack myself to get less sleep and more work done i would so jump on that right (laughs) you know what a a secret is is if you um the less you eat the more energy you will have to burn um when you you eat food it slows you down because your body has to break the food down so like if you was like sometimes when i'm working out fast if i got like a crazy deadline or something 
I might not eat for a day or two. Uh, I'll just drink water or I might drink juice, just like juice or something like that. Get some strawberries, blueberries, and different things and like blend them together and have that as a meal instead of actually having food, food. You know what I mean? Yeah. It just it slows you down because it's going to, your body is going to want to take that time to break that food down. And most people ain't eating like salads and healthy, like clean stuff. That's not going to, your body is not going to have to work that hard to break it down. But if your body is having to work hard to break something down, that's what's going to make you fall asleep. That's why people get the itis. Like <laughs> a bunch of chicken and greens and all types of stuff like that and then they be knocked out slobbing somewhere so it's like it's because your body your body need to break that down so your body is working so hard that it it, it shuts the rest of you down hmm. well i've got some weird fast metabolism thing where i have to eat like every 90 minutes maybe i just need to improve the quality of what i'm eating Maybe, maybe. I mean, I don't know. Everybody's body is different, so I don't want to tell you to do something that might mess you <laughs> up. But, but, like, yeah, I just use – for me, that works. Like, I know, like, I can go certain amounts of time without eating because I know how my body would just want to take a break. I'll be like, all right, I'm sleepy now. Yeah, um, for real. Yeah. Well, I appreciate the tip. I will definitely try it out. <laughs> for sure. Let me know how that works. <laughs> I will. <laughs> well – Thank you so much for talking with me and sharing your knowledge. And I appreciate you. And we need that. And music and, and people that are telling our stories and helping us too, because we all need each other, you know? So I, we appreciate you and everything that you're doing. Well, thanks for telling me that. It really, I mean, sometimes I feel like I'm on the right track and sometimes I'm like, am I just, you know, bullshitting everyone? But really, I just, I think that if we can all collectively learn there's this way and that way and all these other ways of making money and building something for yourself out of music, then you can yes. find something that works for you. Yes, you can. And we can also always put our heads together and figure something out together. Like I think a lot of people in the past is kind of afraid to, to do that or everybody was so involved in the ego. Like they didn't mm-hmm. want to like humble themselves to be like, Hey, like, maybe we can do something to make more money together. Like, you know what I mean? So many people yeah. are so egotistical about wanting to be that that one. They want to be that one person that has everything. And then everybody else is like looking at them like, dang, how did you get that? Like, I feel like if you humble yourself to a level of, man, we all need the same things. Like, I want everybody to have a great life and enjoy enjoy their life. I shouldn't yeah. be the only one enjoying mine. You should enjoy yours too. You know, it shouldn't be at the expense of mine. <laughs> you know what I mean? But <laughs> I want you to enjoy your life too. So I think that we we should definitely come together and be creative and find ways to work together. It's 2020. Like, why are we doing things the same way? We've been doing things for years. We know it don't work. Yeah, we've seen, for real. We've seen it fail. Like, all this time, we got the history. We got the records. We got the internet. We got all of these tools to see that they haven't been doing it the right way. And, and we see why. We see what they've been doing. So let's change it up. We're a new generation. We got different energy. We got different abilities. We got different outlooks on the world. Like, let's work together. Yeah. Make a ruckus and shake shit up. Yeah. 100%. All right. Well, I look forward to helping you make at least a small piece of that ruckus. No doubt. No doubt. Let's make some noise.
Please check the show notes for links to find Tree of Life's music, social media, and all that fun stuff. One last thing before you go today. There are techniques, strategies, and routines that work best for different people. With that in mind, I encourage you to consider this. As you find your way with discovering what kind of career you want to build in the world of music, what kind of artist you want to be, what kind of revenue streams you want to build, there are a lot of options. And there's also a lot of stereotypes and judgment that you have to fight against, whether it's from your family or your friends or random strangers on the internet who are just assholes with too much time on their hands. One of the stereotypes that I personally had to struggle with is if you're not a full-time artist, there are people out there who will say, oh, it's just a hobby. Or if you have a day job, they'll say, eh, you're not a real artist. Or depending on what kind of art you're making, they'll say, you're never going to make it. Go find a real job. And the problem with this is it dismisses the value of having multiple skills. Artists like Tree can do so many different things, both to make money to support themselves, but also to facilitate their own art. If you can make a demo for yourself, or if you can get your song like 85% of the way produced, and then all you need help with is someone to help you do the final touches of the expert level mixing and then the mastering that's a huge amount of work that you were able to do all yourself or even things like social media like making a video I don't have a lot of video skills and that's something that I really struggle with I have photography skills and I understand color theory because I like visual art and I do a lot of painting and drawing but videos are hard for me I really could benefit from having more knowledge about editing and making good videos. So, don't be afraid to try several different things. Don't be afraid to develop several different things. Whether it's your goal to be a full-time artist or you have a day job that fulfills you. Maybe it's in audio engineering. Maybe it's in marketing. Maybe it's in fashion design. Whatever it is, there are at least a few pieces of all your different skill sets that can support each other. So take some time, maybe sit down and write it out if that's what you need to do, but really think about, okay, what are the assets that I have that I can use to get myself to where I want to be? Because like Tree said, if you don't have a plan, you're not going to get anywhere. And the last time I really sat down and made a plan for what I wanted to do in my music career was several years ago. So at this point, it's way out of date. And honestly, I'm going to take some time myself to go sit down and make a new plan. One that is aligned with where I'm at in my life now, the kinds of assets that I can leverage, and the things that I need help with. Maybe, you know, I'm going to hire someone else to do for me. So I've given you a lot to think about. And as always, if you want to talk, if you find something helpful that you want to share so that others can hear, by all means, reach out at Musicians Can Thrive on Instagram. It's the best place to find me. 